0: Good morning, good morning everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, everyone go ahead and stand to your feet real quick. We'll go ahead and read God's word quickly and then we'll let you all sit down. How's that sound? <laughs> so uh, this morning we're gonna be talking about a topic that I feel like God has been placing on my heart recently and it's something that I'm excited to share with you guys and it's all about abundance this morning. So it's a word that you know you, you don't you don't think about a whole lot. If you say it too many times in a row, it starts to sound funny. Anybody ever say words like that? <laughs> I, I used to say the word like all the time, and you know if you listen to me talk, I still say like all the time. But uh, it sounds funny after you say it a few times. But this morning uh, we're going to take a look at abundance, and uh, the scripture comes out of John ten ten, and it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So y'all go ahead and have a seat. Thank y'all for standing for the reading of God's word. Thank you worship team. You guys did awesome this morning. Yeah, everyone give a round of applause. So good to see everybody this morning. Ms. Sophie, so good to see you back. So glad to have you back. Uh, just, you know, happy to be here this morning. Happy to have everyone in the house of God this morning. But We're going to take a look a little bit this morning, I got a little funny fish up here for you guys, but we're going to take a look this morning at abundance, what it means to live abundantly, and kind of just give a description of what that entails. So we're going to take a look at a couple different miracles this morning of abundance. And our first one comes out of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, and this is when Jesus calls his first disciples. And we've got that scripture up here on the screen for you as well. But it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Hello, good morning. He's happy to be here too. Listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. So some guy just got in my boat. Would you all be happy about that? This guy they don't know? Well, it depends on who it, right? this is Jesus, right? But, and you know, I talk to the youth about this a lot. If you see the savior of the world, you know something's different about him, right? You know something's going on about this guy that just isn't normal. Something awesome is going on with this guy. But he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But, God love big butts. but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink so i want to pause there for just a second because we're going to talk about how peter reacts to this simon peter reacts to this but they didn't catch one fish who likes to fish anyone like to fish in here a couple of us a couple of us. If you go out and you don't catch a thing, do you come back happy? Do you come back excited? Right? Woohoo! I don't get to eat tonight. I don't get to make money today. Right? That's basically what these guys were going through. But what ends up happening is that he has a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith, that because, and remember, what does he call him? Master, he says, because you say so, I will. They put those nets in the, in the water, and they catch so many fish that they have to get another boat to come over. And then they continue to catch so many fish that it sinks, their, or begins to sink their boats. I don't know about you guys, but that's a lot of fish. To sink a fisherman's boat, the nets had to have been busting with fish, right? Now let's take a look at what his reaction is to this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So he recognized who Jesus was in that moment. He just witnessed a miracle. He just saw, you know, it was kind of a weird miracle. He just caught a bunch of fish. It's just what he's used to doing. But he put a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust in God, and he received an abundance. But he recognizes who Jesus is. He recognizes him as the Savior of the world. And he tells Jesus, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John's, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, I love this, check this out. We're going we're to examine this. Don't be afraid. Now we're, gonna, you know, we're going into the Christmas season. Angels start appearing to Mary and Joseph. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Another Sunday coming soon, right? But what do the angels say first? Don't be afraid, right? You just saw something supernatural happen something that is out of the ordinary, something that we can't explain, I'd be a little scared. I'd be a little nervous about what's going to happen next. But check this out. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Fishing for people. What does that mean? Has anybody ever gone fishing and caught a person before? That'd be a little weird, right? Right? You catch a person and then you put them in the boat. What do you do? You can't eat them, right? But Jesus was teaching to his audience in this particular segment here. And what he's doing is he is, (coughs) excuse me, he was teaching to somebody who would understand what he was saying. So when he told Peter you are going to be fishing for people. he recognized what he was talking about. see, he was teaching to his audience and it is so so important to be able to do that right Now I'm the youth pastor so t- sometimes I get up here and I've got silly examples and I you know kind of walk around the stage and I you know do weird things like that that Pastor Chad doesn't normally do, right but I also got to know my audience. And I know that when I'm talking to the youth, you got to do some silly things in order to get their attention a little bit, right? So when Jesus was talking to Peter here, he said, you're going to fish for people. And he knew exactly, exactly what that meant. So knowing your audience and specifically teaching to your audience, and this goes for all of us, not just people who are up here, right? When you're at work, when you're telling people about Jesus... When you are talking to people about how he has changed your life, you gotta know your audience. You gotta be able to make analogies. Like this is very similar to X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, right? Students, I talk a lot about passion, I talk a lot about fire, I talk a lot about how he is going to revolutionize your life. And for adults, it's it's true for you too, but these students need radical change. They want to change. Exponentially, not just a little bit. Because let me tell you, scrolling through TikTok, scrolling through Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, I'm guilty of it too, right? I'm on YouTube all the time. But is that going to change our lives? It got quiet. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling myself out here, right? But is that going to change our lives the way that Jesus is going to change our lives? the way that he can come into our life and completely overtake everything in our lives, give us purpose, give us meaning, give us a job to do, right? He gives us a calling. Now it's up to us to follow that calling and share the gospel with other people. But when he told Peter that he was going to be fishing for people, that's what he meant. He was giving him his calling. He was showing him what you're going to be doing from now on with Jesus. So the next miracle that we're going to take a look at is in Luke chapter 9, this is 12 verse 17. And this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories in the Bible because it's, it's a little bit Different, so it's the feeding of the 5,000, right? So, but actually, was it really 5,000 people? So it's 5,000 men, right? But when men went to go listen to Jesus, you think they took their families? If you know that the Savior of the world has come, and you want to go hear him teach, oh, Whitney, the boys, my parents, everyone, we're packing them up, boom, boom. We're on the hillside, so really it was probably more like 15,000 people, but the Bible just mentions 5,000 men, so let's take a look at this. It's one of my favorite stories, and we'll get to it in just a second why. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with them, them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a, a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Because Jesus didn't just come and say, God loves you, deuces, I'm out. What Jesus did was he came, he delivered the gospel, which means good news, and then he also, he invested in the people. He spent time with them. He ate meals with them. He healed them from their sicknesses. It's so important that we recognize that Jesus took time out of his ministry. Does anybody know how long his earthly ministry was? It was about three years from start to finish. Now obviously, if you take a look at his life, he was teaching people from as a child, right? In the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph end up accidentally leaving him behind because they think he's with the relatives. Anybody ever done that? Oh yeah, he's with the aunt and uncle. It'll be fine. And then you get halfway to Walmart and you're like, oh, they're by themselves. Uh, I gotta go back. <laughs> uh, but what we've got here is someone who's been teaching his entire life. It's not just those three years, but in those small three years that he had from the beginning of his ministry to his death on the cross and his resurrection, he took time to invest in people, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about being a part of their lives. See, Jesus didn't go to like the Marriott and stay in the hotels. Jesus didn't go to, you know, Vegas and stay in the uh, the Bellagio or anything, you know, expensive. Where did he crash? Where did he sleep? He spent time in people's houses. People accepted him into their homes. He broke bread with them. He prayed for them. He healed them. It's one of my favorite things about Jesus' ministry is that it was entirely relational. And that means that he spent time building those relationships with people and loving people. But, verse 12, let's get back to it. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, was one of my favorite responses, you give them something to eat. Jesus said, you handle it. Now how many times in our lives has Jesus told us to handle it? And we don't. (laughs) Been there, done that, right? But they answered, we only have five loaves of bread And two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. And about 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. That's important, right? Because he was taking faith and he was taking trust. In God that God was going to do something special here, right? Two fish and five loaves. He, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So I've got some helpers who are going to come out and give me some illustration here, but when the disciples came back, thank you, ma'am. When the disciples came back, they had a 12 basketfuls. Now, how many did they start with? They started with two. Well, hold up here. Now we've got 12 basketfuls. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, we've got lots and lots of baskets. But in this trust and in this faith, oh, we've got more. Look at that. We have giving thanks to God, and we have an abundance. We have an overflow of His love, of His grace, and of His taking care of us. Y'all see how many baskets are up here now? They're still coming. They're still coming. We've got baskets on baskets on baskets on baskets. Thank you all so much. Do we have any more? Is that good? Yeah, that's plenty. Awesome. But I look ridiculous, don't I, holding all these baskets. But the thing is, is that there was trust and there was faith put into feeding the 5,000 people. And God came through. God gave, yes, we have one more. (laughs) God gave them an abundance. So, this is also important because this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. Do you all know that? Fun fact. Pop-up video, right? A while we're teaching. But, you know, uh, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. And specifically in Scripture where there's repetition, that means that something is important. That means that something is... Extremely, extremely important. And this miracle with the baskets, this overflow, this abundance is important for us to note. It's important for us to see. Now, we're gonna take a look at one more one more example here. And this isn't necessarily a miracle, but it is an understanding thing. And this has to do with the Pharisees. Now, does anybody know what the Pharisees' job was? Where they worked? They worked in the church. They were the higher-ups in the church. So when Jesus came and he started introducing himself as the Messiah, they were like, "Eh, I don't know about that. See, our scriptures say that the Messiah is still coming. And Jesus said, I am who you say I am. I am he. I am the Messiah. But they didn't believe him. And so what they did was they tried to catch him on just about everything they could to show people that, nope, he's not really who he says he is. But do we know he is? 100%. Because he died on the cross, he rose again on that third day, and he conquered sin, death, and evil for all time. Now, I want us to really hone in on this scripture because this is so important for our lives today, okay? But we're in John chapter 10, verses one through 11. All right, there we go. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd, of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I love that. I love that. I love the idea of that. You know when God's speaking to you, right? You know his voice. Something intrinsic inside of you tells you, "Ooh." That's God. You ever been in a situation where God just takes care of it? And you're just like, there's no other way. No other way other than him, right? So cool. But we know, they know his voice. His sheep know his voice. But, verse five, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse six, Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They're sitting there going, why is this guy talking about sheep? What, what is he talking about? You guys ever been in a meeting at work and you're like, what, what is going on here? Like, for real. Like, what is this guy talking about? Is he for real? Is he serious? Jesus is talking about sheep. Is he for real? Therefore, Jesus said again, Verse 7, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. For the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. In other translations it says, in abundance. Do you think God put you on the earth to just get by? I ask my students that a lot, right? I teach sixth grade. I ask them a whole lot. Guys, do you just, do you you think you're here to just get by? I want you to ponder that for a second. Are we here to just, uh, just gotta get through this week? are we here to live life in abundance to the full? Because Jesus did not die on the cross for us to just get by. Jesus did not rise again on that third day for us to just make it. For us to slide by by the skin of our pants, skin of our teeth, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about. Guys, he died for us so that we can live life to the fullest. And I believe that when we're talking about life, it's not just life here. Because we've got life eternally with him. Right? I think about that a lot. Like, you know, the Mercy Me song, where it's, you know, you see him for the first time. Are you gonna fall down on your knees? Are you gonna cry? Are you going to praise him? What are you going to do when you first see Jesus? Because that, that's life in abundance. Living with him for all eternity is life to the fullest. But I'm just as guilty. Christmas break is in two weeks for us teachers. Woo, that's right, yeah. Woo, it's in two weeks. Now, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you. I've thought, golly, I just got to get through these two weeks. I was thinking that this morning before I got up here, and I was like, nope. Got to live life to the fullest. So I'm going to make the most out of these next two weeks where I'm sitting there while we're doing map testing. Yeah! It's going to be awesome. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so important for us to actually live life to the fullest because Jesus said he came so that we may live life to the fullest. And it's not, it's not just, he didn't come and die for us for no reason, right? He came and he died for us so that we can live with him forever, for eternity. And our life is not over when we die physically. Because we have a spiritual life with him for all eternity. But the Pharisees didn't understand that. They didn't get it. They were in such a state of closed-mindedness to where they they just they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Their hearts were hardened. They, they physically were hearing what he said, but their hearts were not open to understanding what he had to offer them. Because the Pharisees were just as much people as you and me. The Pharisees were people that Jesus died for. Jesus died for the murderer just as much as he died for every single one of us sitting up here on Sunday morning. Jesus died for the drug addict. For anything you can think of. You know, we've talked about how sin you know, we think of sin like a little lie as this, you know, that's, it's a little sin, right? Murder, that's a big one. God sees sin all the same. We are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the, of the glory of God. Every single day. But he still died for you. And he still rose again for you. And he did it so that we can live life abundantly. I don't want anybody to live life with one basket. Right? I want all these baskets for everybody. Jesus wants all these baskets for everybody. Now, I don't want you to get confused because these baskets can represent different things. Right? doesn't have to be money. Right? One of my favorite sayings is, more money, more problems. Right? If you've got a, a mansion of a house, you've got three washing machines, guess how many washing machines can break now? Three. Right? You've got 20 cars, guess how many cars can break now, right? You know what I'm saying? But how many of us have an abundance of love, of understanding, of compassion? We're talking about compassion with my sixth graders the other day. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what compassion meant. Caring for people, loving people, understanding them. How about an abundance of listening? Ooh, that's my problem. I like to talk. I really like to talk. We might be here for another hour because I like to talk so much. No, I'm just kidding. But an abundance of understanding, listening to people. When they come up to you and they have a problem, maybe they just want to hear, or they want you to hear them. They don't want to have six or seven different, oh, well, maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do that. But I really want us to focus on having that abundance of love of caring for each other of living life to the fullest because when you live life to the fullest and you've got Jesus in your heart people notice they say wait a minute you know they're they're over here with their one basket and they look at you and you got so many you can't even carry them because you are overflowing in spirit in love, in just, in Jesus, right? It's like the empty cup thing. Jesus is pouring into your cup so much that it's overflowing. Now, we've got an overflowing of baskets here this morning instead of water. But people notice there's something different about him. And they want it. They're hungry for it. And all you've got to do is share Jesus with them. Oh, Dave, that's a little scary. What if they don't like me anymore? What if, you know, they were brought up in a different kind of household that religion is just they want your money, right? Or they're going to get me involved and then I'm going to have to volunteer and I just don't want to give up that much of my time, right? Or, ooh, I don't know, Wednesdays and Sundays, we got football on Sundays, I don't want to have to miss part of a game because I got to be at church, right? But what do you guys think is more important, Jesus or football? I'm going to ask that again. What's more important, Jesus or football? There we go. All right. I know we got a lot of Carolina fans in here, a lot of Clemson fans, but guys, if we could fill stadiums with people pouring out their love for Jesus, Ooh, that would be amazing if we could give as much as we do to you know, not just money but time, energy, to Jesus as much as we do. And it's not just football, right? I don't don't like football, but I like video games. I like comic books. I like movies. All these different things, right? How much energy am I investing into those? that I could be pouring more into my family, my kids. Man, I think about uh, that all the time. Sitting there watching YouTube and he's you know, Mason walked up to me with his with his little Bible the other day. His children's Bible and he said, "Daddy, will you read me a Bible story?" and I said, "In a minute." And then it hit me. And I started crying. I was like, mm. "I just pushed away an opportunity to invest in my kid. Through Jesus because I wanted to watch a YouTube video that I don't even remember. Hmm. Hits me, hits me right here. Ron, you can come on, I'm sorry. I meant to call you like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I told y'all I like to talk, I'm sorry it happens but when you've got an, an abundance, <laughs> you got a lot to talk about, right? <laughs> so we don't wanna just make it by. We don't want to just live life in a way that we're just barely making it. We have to be able to just like what we've seen with the fish, with the with the baskets, with the loaves and the bread, when you place your trust, your hope and your faith in Jesus, he's going to bless you with an abundance. Now again, it might not be money, It might not be what you want it to be in, right? But he's going to radically change your life. He's going to open your heart to opportunities, to blessings, to people that you would have never potentially met, worked with, blessed, loved, understood if he hadn't changed your life. He loves you. If there's nothing else you get out of today, Jesus loves you. He loves you enough that he was nailed to a cross. He died on that cross. And on that third day, he rose. And he told Satan, you're done. You've lost You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. It's one of my favorite Willy Wonka quotes, but still, it's so important. He loves you. He placed you inside your mother's womb, knowing who you are. Before you were ever who you are, he said, this one, this is my child. And I love them. And then he placed you in your mother's womb. And you are here today. So I encourage you, I challenge you to not just get by. To live life to the absolute fullest. Because that's what Jesus came to do. And remember, it's not just life here on earth. You know, Billy Graham famously said, this is not my home. Home is heaven. I'm just passing by. But know Jesus today. Understand him today. Know that he loves you. He cares for you. And that he died for you. So we're going to go ahead and open up our altar. If you want to come talk to him, I invite you to do so. But just know him and understand his love for you. Y'all come.